Welcome everyone to my very first podcast and the inaugural episode of what I'm tentatively calling, tentatively calling the No Food Picks After Dark, which is a spinoff of sorts of Baltimore's very best podcast, No Picks After Dark, hosted by the one and only Aaron Dante, uh, who is sitting here to my left making sure I don't mess anything up <laughs> too badly. My name is Chris Franzoni and you can find me hiding behind the camera uh, on my Instagram and TikTok videos on Eat More Be More and this is part one of three of a limited series that I'm doing, uh, interviewing a select few of the most interesting folks in the Baltimore food scene. And my very first guest, you've definitely heard of him. And if you haven't, you've definitely had his Taiwanese curry fried chicken buns, also known as the Neighborhood Bird. He's a restaurateur, a James Beard semi-finalist for Best Chef Mid-Atlantic, a Vice superstar, a viral TikTok sensation, a philanthropist, and an all-around good guy, Steve Chu, co-owner and founder of Ekiben. Steve, thank you so much for being here on my first podcast episode. <laughs> Yo, I didn't know it was the first one. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm down to do it. Like, yeah, Chris, like, yeah, whenever you want, wherever you want, I'm down. Well, now you're one? in it, right? What an honor, man. So thank make you. me look good. <laughs> he is the best. Follow him if you haven't. If you haven't, like, you don't know what's up. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student with in-school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. A sip of the rye. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we'll jump right in with your background. You've spent a lot of time, your whole life in the restaurant industry, but you went away to college, studied economics, and then at the University of Maryland, I think, right? And then decided to get back into the restaurant team from a hot dog cart, apparently, right? <laughs> Can you yeah. tell me a little bit, a little bit more about that and yeah. how you got started? Yeah, you did your research. <laughs> um, how did that get started? So. Like growing up with like a like an Asian background, um, one of the questions that your family will always ask you every week since you're four years old is like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" My answer is always like, "I don't know. I just want to <laughs> play video games." Um, and uh, you know, you, you start like making up things like make your family happy. Like, oh, I want to be like a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be like these right. things. And you kind of like do research into them. You're like, I don't do any of these things. <laughs> um, so when I was 13, I picked up Kitchen Confidential, and I was like a big fan of like yeah. Anthony Bourdain's cooking shows, like uh, A Cook's Tour. Like that was the one that was always on Food Network at like 10 p.m. Uh, and it was awesome. And I read the book from front to back and there's this one line in the book it's like yeah chefs are kind of like pirates you know like right. they, they party a lot do a lot of drugs and stuff and then they, they work their asses off and i was like i think i could do all this <laughs> minus the drugs part like i think i could do that um so i put the book down i went up to my dad he's who's also in the restaurant business and right. i'm like dad i want to be a chef he looks at me he's like are you sure i'm like yeah he said okay Tomorrow, you're going to drop out of school, and we're going to put you in an apprenticeship program. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Tomorrow, you're not going to any more classes. This is it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And my uh, my parents were, like, divorced at that time, so I go home. I'm like, Mom, Mom, I want to be a chef. And Dad told me to drop out of school. And she's like, tell him to shut the fuck up. Like, what a fucking idiot. Never do that. So, yeah, and then I finished school, went to UMBC, studied econ, and, yeah, here I am. Yeah, I went to... I mean, my, my real day job is a lawyer, and 
I decided I wanted to get into this like eight years ago and I just kind of started as a hobby. And definitely I'm wondering like, why did I go to law school now? <laughs> I could be having a lot more fun doing this. Um, also not as many student loans. <laughs> That's a lot. Right, because like, now I take pictures of food and video it. I'm like, great. <laughs> so glad I spent three years past a few bars and now I just use my camera every day. Well, but like now you're not going to get sued with like any one of your well, videos. True, right. <laughs> you have the knowledge. I have, you know? I have the yeah. background knowledge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your so your dad said quit, start it up, and then your grandmother also you some of your inspiration comes from your grandmother who had a restaurant, right? Yeah. And, so uh, I actually didn't really know this until she passed away. She passed uh, away kind of recently. I'm sorry. And when I was younger, like eating food at like you know grandma's house. Dad's like, man, like she used to be such a good cook or whatever, and they're like, she's like, yeah, she had this little like, like, side cart thing selling selling these uh, called tangyuan, which they're like savory mochi balls, right. and we fill it's kind of like a dumpling, we fill it like meat, and it's like cooked in a broth, and you just kind of eat it up. It's like very nice and refreshing, filling, very savory, umami heavy. Um, and they're like, yeah, man, like grandma's such a good cook, blah 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 blah. And then when she passed away, and and one of my uncles had to like give her a, like a eulogy right right he was like yeah like she turned that little shitty hole in the wall into somewhere where like all the higher-ups in the military and the government would come and i was like oh like she she like did legit. it did it yeah <laughs> and i was like you know like whenever people talk to me they're like hey like what's like a piece of advice you give me i'm like dude just like talk to your grandparents like a yeah. lot because they've been through so much like that previous generation do went through so many wars and famine right. and um you have a lot to learn from them. You know, I think kids nowadays are like, hey, my life is fucking hard. I'm like, yeah, it is. And like every generation is fucking hard. Um, but at least like you have like a roof over your head, you know, it's like right. Maslow's hierarchy. Like you have like that first tier. And whereas like our grandparents, they didn't have like any tiers and they had to like build that shit from the ground up. So um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know it was like so big and shit like, Right. celebrities coming and stuff but but literally it was just a hole in the wall with like right. think about it, just like I mean, plastic the best tables <laughs> yeah plastic <laughs> table plastic chairs like white paint yeah so like two things yeah that res i mean that resonates a lot with me because my grandfather just passed away two weeks ago um he never made it to ecubend but he was 94 years old but he liked everything crispy like we would go to restaurants and literally he would every server make it crispy make it crispy whatever it was and also his other rule was you couldn't let the sauce touch the fried food. Otherwise, it would make it saucy. So that part, we'd have to order, come in and order that separately. But just, yeah, there's there's so much to learn. I mean, I was fortunate to ha to know him for, I mean, I'm 42, and to have him around for that long and to spend time with him. And just the insight that you get from them and the things that they've seen over that 100-year period, um, especially now when things change so quickly, um, is just is just invaluable. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to the grandparents. And again, you know, I'll second your advice. If you have them, hang out with them. You can learn a lot, definitely. And always order it crispy. <laughs> and always Sauce order it. Always. <laughs> it messes it up. <laughs> it gets soggy if it sits there too long. That and if you ordered, <clears throat> you'd go out to a restaurant and loved soup. And he would always order the soup du jour and not know what the soup was. And then get mad when it showed up and it wasn't the soup that he had the time before. <laughs> I'm like, wait, do not. I was like, sorry, it's okay. And then he would order. They would also ask him. Or he, they would also bring him like his drink with it. They'd say, what would you like to drink? Um, he said, you can't give me a drink with a soup. I can't have a cold drink with hot soup. Are you crazy? <laughs> it's just stuff that they said. It's just, it's just hilarious. You know, and those, and those memories will, you know, I'll never go to a restaurant again and think about ordering, ordering a cold drink 
<laughs> with hot soup. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I think right. it's like something from their generation because yeah. I brought my grandparents to Chipotle one time. Like, what the fuck is this shit? Why is the <laughs> rice hot and why is, why is the sauce cold? And I was like, it's a it's a burrito bowl. Like, oh, <laughs> right. this <is> nonsense! You <laughs> pay for this? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, you pay for this. Yeah. And everything was too expensive too. No, yeah. matter, no matter what it was, and he, you know, being you know around for so long that he, he, I think he retired from three different jobs and would still worry about the cost of things and ordering it. Like he wouldn't do it; he'd still go for like the most basic stuff. Um, but yeah, only Costco is acceptable. Right, Costco it, pizza. His actual one of his favorite foods was so he went to the hospital a few times and he would go to gbmc and he loved the food at gbmc like he would request it and he had his order down he would call but yeah turkey sandwich <laughs> all day baby extra mayo. <laughs> exactly um so yeah so so moving on a little bit um the james beard semifinalist for best chef mid-atlantic i mean that's a pretty big achievement um how did that how did that come about i think most people probably don't know the process and how that works out yeah talk about. it's pretty funny um I think like any chef, dreamer, whatever, like always aspires for like that award, especially if you're not a Michelin starred city. Right. Um, so for us, like the highest we could go was a James Beard. And then kind of got tired of it. I was like, man, like they're never coming. They're fucking never coming. It's not happening. And literally right. we told the team, we're like, let's not like go for these awards. Like let's just recalibrate and really focus on our guests. And then like that week, Yelp hits us with like, Yelp top right. 100 yes. restaurants in the nation. And then like two days later is like, I get all these texts from my friends. Like, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations for what? Like, I was in the exactly, gym. Right? Yeah. It was like the day we had a pop up that day. And I was just in the gym with, with my guest, uh, Jay Lee from no one. I'm wearing his hat. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, for what? And they're like, Oh, you got like a James Beard nomination. I'm like, Oh, for real? I literally <laughs> didn't. I, yeah. I didn't ask for this like at all, but cool. And then I go to the restaurant and I'm like, Hey guys, like, we got a James Beard nomination and I, I shit you not the the team lo- literally looked at me and they're like who's James Beard and I'm like okay cool well we got Yelp's top 50 or top 100 they're they're like, like yeah yeah, this is great. yeah I'm like okay well that's that's where we're at as a company yeah, that's cool um but yeah like you know Acubens always like been for the people and and our goal is always just been be serving like really like good sandwiches like one day at a time and yeah we never really had meetings talking about these awards we we're just like hey right. just put your head down make sure everything's crispy and if they <laughs> yes. want it sauce on the side <laughs> just put the sauce it. on the right, side exactly. and that's it do it the same <laughs> shit every day yeah so it's a monotonous but we're busy so it's that okay work. i mean consistency is key when it comes down to everything those things yeah um and i think also caring about your product and your service and what you're doing right i mean i think you know part of the reasons that you know, I picked you and the two other guests in this first part is that you can tell how much you care about Baltimore and the city and, you know, putting something out there that's amazing. Um, but I do see that you spend a little bit of time in D.C. as well. <laughs> and I get a little bit of jealousy. I tried to get down there. So it's the hard hitting question is when it comes to food, Baltimore or D.C.? Oh, Baltimore all day. <laughs> well, so it's, it's very different. Um I think every state on the East Coast has its own particular type of, like, cuisine. So, and all kind of stems from, like, Americana. Like, Americana is kind of, like, no onion, no garlic, but, like, and people are like, oh, that, that's fucking gross. But, no, food like that can be delicious. Like, biscuits, like, there's no onion or garlic in that, right? Uh, biscuits and gravy, like, there's literally, it's just fucking sausage and, like, 
flour and salt and butter salt and butter <laughs> and then if you're lucky if your grandma can cook she's gonna throw some chicken bouillon in that motherfucker and <laughs> it's like right. oh this is good um that's really raising the bar <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do that you're like it's serious <laughs> you're like, there's no msg in it it's called chicken bouillon <laughs> right. um so yeah if you go to like maine and then kind of like go go all the way down all of that cuisine has kind of like some similarities and and the difference between maryland and dc is like maryland's a lot the cuisine in Maryland's a lot closer to Maine than it is DC. Like DC is yeah. such an international city. And so there's a lot of demand for like all this like diverse kind of cuisine. But as Maryland, Maryland's not as diverse as DC or even like Baltimore. I mean, to be honest, Baltimore is very like black and white. And then you got like all these Chinese kids from Hopkins are like, where the fuck y'all come from? Right, right. Like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're here for school. Um, yeah. And then you have like all the, like the doctors and stuff. And like, that's really what brings diversity into the city. Yeah. Um, but like what we do really well is we're a really great portion city. We season the fuck out of our yeah. food. We're extremely consistent with our product. Yeah. And, and you can tell, like, I think we're definitely a lot more creative in this city. Like we don't have a lot to work with because of like how the palette of Maryland is. Um, but like, if you look at like Marta, they're doing a lot of really cool shit. I love Marta. Yeah. yeah. Even like, like Comptoir Duvin mm. or even like Clavel. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is, it's just French food. It's just Mexican food or whatever. But within that confines of their cuisine, they're extremely creative and they're, the, the food's so flavorful and it's always consistent. Whereas like if you right. go to DC, they have like a much larger breadth of cuisines to play with that's like acceptable to the the native populace but man sometimes that shit just doesn't hit like yeah like this shit's fucking bad yeah i mean you also get you know they're catering to a certain crowd so the restaurants that you're getting down there while a lot of them are amazing are also super disney world-ish yeah right? you go into each restaurant and like oh this is france this is disney world france this is wherever so um you lose I, i think i agree with what you're saying and i think baltimore has a lot more character um and you know i went to law school in new york so i lived up there for a little bit i lived in dc and came back to baltimore and i think you know even traveling abroad baltimore has some of the best seafood anywhere in the world it Hands just down. it just slaps it's it's amazing and and not just with crabs everything thinks of baltimore and they equate it with crabs and crab cakes but it goes so much further than that i mean i love I, we're having dinner there tonight the Thames street oyster house like that we, we were talking the other day that lobster roll which i'll definitely be getting <laughs> it's i mean it's just it it is as good as the lobster rolls you're going to get in Maine. 100%. Um, yeah. Like the bread, the butter on it is perfect. Um, I think that's probably the best sandwich in the city for sure. Yeah. Hands down. Definitely like, one of my favorite bites. Yeah. I said next to the neighborhood bird. Of yeah. Course. And then if you go get a lobster roll or even oysters in D.C., Yeah. most of the places like are going to suck. Some places are really good. Like yeah. Bar Sparrow, mm-hmm. they have excellent oysters. I was like, oh my God, these are so fucking good. Yeah. But they worked very hard to source those oysters and they don't get a lot you know they only like put out the best quality but here you know dylan's it's like some of the most beautifully shucked oysters um yeah yeah we have excellent yeah we have nick from the local oyster coming next and i hope i'm hoping he brings some it might be it might be a hard asking here though no fuck no man (laughs) he sets up anywhere though really yeah yeah seriously (laughs) um yeah favorite crab cake while we're talking about baltimore food i really like costa's inn like big fan of that place okay um i know a lot of people say faithley's like i used to go to faithley's all the time when i was in yeah. college um 
But I mean, like, Faithy's has gotten so big. Yeah. And it's just like... It's, it's like the OG of crab cakes, though. It is like OG the OG If you want, like, a Baltimore crab cake, that's kind of it. Yeah, and, like, being in Lexington Market is, like, such a vibe, yeah. right? But I think discovering Custis and I was like, man, this is, like, really, like, north... I guess, is it North Baltimore? North, northeast? Which one? Custis? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, northeast... It's Dundalk, super, really. Right? Yeah, north yeah. North Boulevard. It's, yeah. like, super Dundalk, and it's, like, family-owned, and it's got this, like, vibe that... You can't really get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and the crabs are always really awesome. So that's my favorite crabs in the city. That's actually, again, going back to my grandfather. That was his favorite restaurant to go to. And I have a, I have a video of him saying that. It's, a, it's the best restaurant in the world. He's pronouncing there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, great. Yeah. I mean, the crabs are. The, the crabs are amazing. The, the seasoning. You get really big ones, too. I mean, I know a lot of those are sourced from the golf and everything like that. But Yeah. They're, they're still like a good. really good crab cake, really, at the end of the day, it's all about how sweet that crab is like how fresh yeah. it is how local it is and yeah they 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 got it down you know a lot of places yeah. try to get away with like canned crab meat right and it's like it bro i can see like like local crab does not look like this yeah yeah you can tell um so you worked in new york baltimore now if you could open a restaurant anywhere an ekiben anywhere or what it doesn't have to be ekiben i guess where would you do it I think I'd still do it in Baltimore. Um, a lot of people talk about how like hard the pandemic was and like how much it sucked, and it did suck and it, and it was hard. But I think if we were in any other city, we wouldn't really be alive. Yeah. Um, Baltimore is such a like local market that like when the pandemic shut everything down, like literally all the neighborhoods just came out and everyone just stayed in the neighborhood to support like right. their their local restaurants and. To be honest, when we opened up Hamden, like mm. the first three months was like really rough. Really? And then pandemic hit and all of a sudden overnight we just got clobbered and then just we've just been busy ever since. Yeah. Um You guys pivoted really quickly with the pandemic. Oh yeah, we just put a fucking yeah. table in front of the door. Like, you can't <laughs> so, so, come in. Yeah. <laughs> you can take it away with you. So why can't we come in? Haven't you read the news? Like do you have a phone? <laughs> I think that was the first restaurant that we went back to and did carry out we spend a lot of time on like the eastern shore um and every once in a while i'd make a trip back to baltimore and to grab food and take back and i think one of the first ones was Ben. yeah so i'm like i haven't had this in forever i really need it. i think we just ate it in the car too i think i took some back we just opened some up in the car and just like chow down yeah. and it, for us it's pretty easy to pivot because I, I go to taiwan pretty often yeah and in taiwan like masks and gloves and like all that like food safety stuff is like prevalent like when you go to Taifung, right even without a pandemic like they have masks on yeah um gloves on everything so for us like for me it was like pretty normal i was like oh we'll just do what everyone does in asia and right. for some of our team they're like this is kind of like weird this is kind of foreign and they didn't know how to put masks on properly um but we're like no this is this is normal for like half of the world it's quite normal so it's right. easy for us to pivot and like explain it to the team yeah, and you guys also harness social media really well too. Yeah, I feel. How is that? How, I mean, how do you think in general the social media has helped you, or how has it helped in her restaurants in general? Um, so before, like in the nineties, eighties, you know, like so my whole family has restaurants, and watching them, it, they were so like mm, beholden to like all the food writers because they didn't have a voice until the food writers gave them a voice. Right. So when social media came about, I was like, this is great because we have a voice and it's free. Like we are a startup. Yeah. This is free 99. We have a voice. Like, let's use it. Yeah. But social media is hard. It's like 
it is work. You got to grind. You have to do it every day. And the hardest part is like, it's easy making content for seven days. Everyone's like, oh, this is great. But like right. day 273, right. like, constant. well, what the fuck do I like post about? Well, you better be creative, motherfucker. <laughs> you want to stay in front of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like people look at it and they're like, oh, you're just posting, you know, photos day after day. But, you know, now it's not just photos. Now you have to do the videos. And it's like creating a video. I'm like, do I have to make a full motion picture for every restaurant I go to? And then I feel silly going to the restaurants. I'm like, am I recording every move that I'm making? And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I try to set it up in advance now, so it's not so obnoxious. But you really have to stay on top of everything. Yeah, and like, I think like late 90s early 2000s like before social media really took off i think all of these editorials like they knew they had the upper hand so it's like you right. couldn't get in it unless you paid right and for us social media was this big like like dude i'm not i'm not paying like like fuck you like my my family has been beholden to the system for so long like right. shackled by this system yeah dude my, my dad worked every day to like scrape a living for his family and it's like oh here you go ex editorial like here's right. like five grand it's like dude that's a lot of money man and like you just like sold your house because you couldn't afford to like pay your rent for for your uh, restaurant so it's like yeah but you have to play the game yeah but i think that's i mean in a good way i think it's kind of changing the system a little bit i mean i think the i mean they're still here like the days of the editorials and the food critics and the reviews are going by the wayside a little bit now. I mean, I think, I mean, what I try to focus on is only the positive stuff because I don't see the point in doing something negative when people like you and your dad are putting everything into it, their blood, sweat, and tears. Like, who am I to come along and just, like, cut them down immediately after that? Like, if, 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 it's, if I don't enjoy it, other people still might enjoy it. Um, but also, it doesn't, like, help anyone aside from make me look like a dick. <laughs> right? Well, it really depends on the the person right like we have had before my dad's restaurant like writers come in and then they'll like pull my dad off to the side and be like yo I'm, like this wasn't like up to par blah 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 and then they they held us accountable because they have good palates and i'm like right. that was really like i really appreciate that right like, that's thank fair you so much right yeah um instead of like writing writing it up like yo this place tasted like shit blah blah blah, blah. it's like oh right. my god like we're so screwed <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, these writers have a huge influence. Like I remember we had a write up for, for Jumbo Seafood and they're talking about how good the Mushu was. Mm -hmm. My dad's like, fuck, we're going to sell so much Mushu. And typically we sell like four Mushus a day. And if you guys don't know what Mushu is, it's like slowly roasted cabbage and then they saute in a wok with like eggs. And it's like a really good exercise in like creating wok hay. Um, and then it's kind of served like picking duck style with pancakes, like horse and sauce yeah. or whatever. Um, and he's like, dude, we're going to sell like 200 of these a night and there's no way we can keep up. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no fucking way. He's like, all right, kid, watch. And that yeah. night it was just like mushy, 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 mushy. I was like, doesn't anyone want General Tso's chicken again? Like, oh, <laughs> no, what's going on? But it, it's insane. Yeah. Um, what was the, I, it was in one of the articles that I was, when I was researching that you do like a thousand carryouts. Was it New Year's Day? Or like Christmas or yeah. what? Yeah. Um, so it's Christmas Eve Christmas and Eve. Christmas Day. Right. Um, That's insane. Dude, it's nuts. And there's only like three cooks. And for Chinese food, it's like, you know, you if you watch 
Food Network, you'll see like people in a restaurant like on a on a range and they'll cook like twelve pans at a time. But in yeah. Chinese food, it's literally like one dish at a time. Yeah. And we'll get about seven, eight hundred tickets. And for Christmas, that means like each ticket is for a family. Right. And so, so each everything. each ticket's like four or five hundred dollars. And they're like, all right, man, fire 10,000 Jones Harris chickens. I'm like, what? <laughs> and dude, we we, were, we had to pop Tylenol because our wrists are like giving out. Right. It's exhausting. Are you there every year? Every you year. Every, year, every year. And then not just that, all your prep's gone. And this is Christmas Eve. Right. And then Christmas Eve, and then like Christmas is the next day. So you go in extra early, you do more prep. And Christmas Day starts earlier because people know Christmas Day is like fucked up. And the orders start at like 11 a.m. And these huge orders. Yeah. All the way until like 8 p.m. Or until my dad's like, fuck this shit. Shut it down. <laughs> and I'm like, I would have shut this down at like 1 p.m. You're paying your rent for six months though. You're like 1 a.m. Yeah. Well, so kind of and not really because you have to staff so many people. Right. To, um, to accommodate for that volume. And not just that. Like I've always believed that Asian food has been underpriced. And the only reason it's cheap, because everyone's like, oh, isn't Asian food supposed to be cheap? It's not the quality of the product. It's how they value their labor. And, like, dude, immigrants have been historically underpaid. Right. And right. you have grandparents that are, like, or great-grandparents, like, oh, I came to America and, right. and worked on a railroad for one penny a day. And it's like, dude, the average wage was, like, 10 right. cents a year. What are you buy a house for about? a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and that, that was, like, this thing I was trying to, like, get into, like, my family's head. It's, like, their whole lives, like, you need to charge more. They're like, no, if I charge more, no one will come. And I'm like, no, you guys sell good food. Right. It's okay to charge an extra dollar. But, like, when right. I talk to my dad now, I'm like, dad, you can charge an extra 50 cents. He's like, no, I'll raise it 10 cents because he's so scared he's going to lose his clientele base. Right. They'll pay it, though. People will pay it now. Fuck yeah, 10 yeah. cents? What? Well, yeah. definitely 10 cents. I mean, they'll pay a few dollars more. Exactly. They make a, I mean, people like my grandfather would complain about it. Yeah. And be like, eight ninety nine instead. What? Yeah. Not that place. I'm like, just pay the dollar and, and eat your channel's house chicken. Like, just. <laughs> so, um, any advice you would give to someone thinking about opening a restaurant? Um, I would say, like, first they should work in a restaurant and see if they can outperform their peers. And be okay with all the sacrifices that they see that they have to give up to outperform their peers. And if they're not willing to make those sacrifices, this industry is not going to be it for you. Um, this industry is very rewarding, but it's also it takes a lot, you know, but like it's like a give and take relationship. Um, like I have sacrificed a lot for, yeah. for my career, but I wouldn't do it any other way. Like, that grind builds character, builds that tenacity that you need for when you open up your own store. Um, and when you open up your own restaurant, it's not just about cooking anymore. Like you have to be okay to new ideas. You have to grow. You have to keep on learning. I mean, dude, you, you're a fucking lawyer and you're like, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna learn some new skills. Yeah. Um, if you don't grow, you die. Like that's just the rule of life. Yeah. So people have to be okay with growing. And if you're okay with growing, you're okay with grinding and, you'll be okay yeah but if, if you're not you willing to... to give anything up like oh i want my like 40 hours a week i want my work-life right. balance like work-life balance is like a full-time problem but if you <laughs> if you work in part-time you can't keep complaining about full-time problems you know True. what i'm saying yeah. like no picks after dark is sponsored by snug books an independent bookstore serving northeast baltimore and beyond 
In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Yeah, absolutely. You have to put the work in. Um, so lastly, anything you want the audience to know, plug plug whatever you want. <laughs> um, tell people where they can find you as well. Yeah. Um, don't lose hope in this city. This city's great. Yeah. Um, and the people really make this city what it is. It's like all that character, all that heart that we have as like Baltimoreans. Um, so like never give up that hope and like always work like you have a chip on your shoulder. And yeah, come to Ikeben sometimes. Uh, we're at Falls Point, we're in Hamden, we're in South Baltimore. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, at Ikeben Baltimore. Um, give us a follow, give us a like, come through, tell us if our food sucks. We, we, we need <laughs> it doesn't, criticism. don't worry, you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again uh, for being my first guest. I think we, I, I made it through, I made it through. <laughs> um, again, this is No Food Picks After Dark. Uh, I'm Chris Ranzoni, Eat More, Be More, Stevie Chu, Eki Ben, uh, and that's a wrap. Thanks. Never seen so many riches in my life.